I don't want to slurp in your ear because my kids always get ticked off when I do that, but I'm having my Boyer's Coffee right now, Aspen Gold, in fact, and it's how I start my day every day, and I suggest you should do the same with Boyer's Coffee. They have wonderful coffee. They've been brewing it here in our state since 1965, so you know they're getting it right. And uh, they take care of the environment. They take care of their community as well. Give them a try if you haven't already. It's so easy. Just go online, boyerscoffee.com. Have it delivered to your house like I do. Or you can go to your favorite local market and find their uh, great coffee there as well. Boyerscoffee.com. It's how I start my day and, quite frankly, oftentimes finish my day. Hey, we're rolling into mid-April. You know what that means? Spring cleanup. Part of spring cleanup is cleaning out the old garage. And you know how you do that? You get your steel power tools, S-T-I-H-L. Go down to your local steel dealers, over 9,000 of them, in fact, around the country, and do as I've done. Load up your garage with all of their great power tools. I'm going to use the blower, get everything out of the garage. I'm going to use it in the entryway, get everything out of there. And also, you know what? You go out in your uh, backyard, or maybe it's your front yard, you need to trim things up, get one of their uh, trimmers, and they will get the job done. Done for you. I use all their battery powered stuff. It lasts forever. It's so efficient. It's so easy. It's so mobile. They're terrific. They're terrific products. SteelDealers.com. S T I H L. SteelDealers.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, former Rockies right fielder Brad Hopp updates us on what he's up to now and shares his favorite memories from the Rockies' 2007 run to the pennant. I think my favorite parts were whenever we had everybody up in September and there was like 35 of us going out to dinner and being there with my guys. And it's like, okay, not just on the field, but off the field. Uh, we're a family. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And leave a comment. It helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Well, welcome in, everybody. Glad, as always, that you are with us on podcast number 91. We'll get to Brad Hopp in a little bit. I'm really looking forward to that. One of the all-time good guys with the Rockies and the, one of the most productive offensive players in club history. And he has an interesting perspective on a number of topics. So much so, in fact, that we're going to do Brad over a couple of weeks. We just uh, got rolling and put a lot of uh, good conversation down on tape. Well, we'll start this podcast with the great news for uh, the city of Denver, the state of Colorado, and quite frankly, for the uh, for the region. The All-Star Game is coming back to Coors Field. It's been since 1998, and uh, with Baseball's decision to move it out of Atlanta, the Rockies, and uh, most importantly, Denver and Colorado are going to benefit. Now, for those that uh, you know are wondering, how did this come about uh, so quickly? The Rockies were in line to have the 2022 game, and then the pandemic hit. And that hadn't been publicized, but the Rockies were going to get and Coors Field and Denver were going to get the 2022 game. But when the pandemic hit, that pushed everything back. 2023 did not work for the city of Denver. Uh, So the city was going to get the 2024 game. And then, obviously, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball uh, pulled the game from Atlanta on short notice. So 
most of the ducks were already in a row. And also from the standpoint of getting people vaccinated, it is fully expected that the that the that Coors Field will be able to hold a full house come mid July. This is great news. Uh, if you can push the politics, and I understand both sides of this. Uh, number one, let me state pretty clearly: uh, I'd love to see universal. Uh, voting rights. I mean, it, it is the foundation of a democracy. Everyone that is el- eligible should not only be allowed to vote, it should be easy to vote, and it should be expected to vote. I mean, there are people who die all over the world uh, trying to exercise their right to have a say uh, in government, and, and too often uh, people in our country don't even vote. And, and that's a whole nother topic. Uh, but I do understand both sides of the issue. It, hurt, it hurts the economy of Atlanta with the game being pulled out, making that statement. But I understand also why the statement uh, was made. And that's as far as I'm going to delve into that. But Denver and Colorado benefit. And that is a wonderful thing. We all know how heavy a price everywhere in the world is paid but what it's done economically to so many businesses and the opportunity for bars and for restaurants and and, uh, other shops uh, to have an influx of people. And then because we live in such a beautiful place, there are a whole lot of folks that will come in who've been dying to travel that'll come in and say, let's make a trip out of it. And they'll head to our mountain towns and resorts and their dollars will be spent. So this is a great thing that I've seen uh, estimates that the economic impact uh, could approach a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, so again, that that's wonderful uh, for the city. It's wonderful for the state and, and it could expand, uh, you know, throughout the region. And also people get a feel for what we have who perhaps haven't been here before. Uh, You never know down the road, you know, somebody says, listen, I want to bring my next uh, annual meeting here. Some CEO comes to town or somebody else who has influence uh, to bring more people uh, down the road to town to have a, a conference and that sort of thing. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, back in 98, I have fond memories of that. The show that uh, that the Rockies put on and the city put on uh, was outstanding. And because of that history and because um, our ability, the, those people involved to do it so well, uh, made this and will make this seamless, even though it's going to be on very, very short notice. Uh, But overall, for the city, for the community, uh, it's a great thing. Hey, one quick thing. I I want to dispel uh, some things I've seen on social media. Boy, there's a whole lot to dispel on social media on a day-to-day basis. Don't we all know that? Uh, But the economics from a Major League Baseball standpoint work like this. You basically, whatever team is hosting an all-star game, you're giving your ballpark over to Major League Baseball for those few days. You're working in concert with Major League Baseball. The Rockies did a wonderful job in 98 in that regard. Uh, But when it comes to tickets and parking and concessions, all of that revenue goes to Major League Baseball. So I did want to point that out because, again, there's some uh, things out there on social media that are inaccurate. All right. Speaking of the Rockies, uh, as we take this on a Wednesday, 
Uh, I'm still trying to shake the cobwebs from getting home at 1 a.m. The Rockies lost in 13 innings, uh, 10 to 8 in the first game against Arizona, dropping them to uh, 1 and 4. We'll start with the positives. Um, the Rockies are, are competing and they're scrappy each night. And uh, the bo- this is a bottom line business. I've often said that it's about record and 1 and 4 is not a good start. Um, they hit the ball out of the ballpark, surprisingly, because without Nolan, you figure there's going to be a big void there. He was their top, quote-unquote, home run hitter, and yet they've hit 11 home runs in five games. Ryan McMahon has been uh, sensational. More on him uh, in a moment. Uh, Sam Hilliard's hit a couple of home runs. Also developing a little late night, man. Remember when we used to talk about uh, back in the day, Seth Smith, when he came up and he was Mr. Late Night? I kind of dubbed him that. Well, now twice in Sam Hilliard's young career, with two outs in the ninth inning, he has tied a game with a home run. A couple years ago, he did it left on left against Josh Hader, of all people, who's about as nasty as they come. Uh, That was in game 162. They tied up the Brewers in that one. And then last night, two outs, and he hits a solo home run a mile, 455 feet, uh, to give the Rockies an opportunity in extra innings. The Rockies lost that game not ultimately in the 13th. They lost it in the 10th and the 11th when they had the winning run at second and nobody out and failed to get that run across. That was uh, disappointing. I thought the Rockies competed well against L.A. Even in the game, they were getting no hit going to the 7th, and they were down 10 nothing. They put a scare in the Dodgers, putting up six runs on those four homers in that 7th inning. So their ability to hit the home run has been a positive out of the gate. Their ability to run the bases and not be afraid to to steal bases and take the extra base. It's going to be a a necessary component for the Rockies to compete and to create uh, more offense this year. That's been a positive. Uh, On the negative side, the overall record, certainly one and four, a negative. And that is because, by and large, they have not gotten good starting pitching out of the gate. I thought Herman was great for four innings on Tuesday night, scuffled in the fifth and sixth, still giving up three runs in six innings, especially at Coors Field, as you know. That's a really solid outing. The bullpen, other than Daniel Bard, has not protected leads. Daniel Bard's been very good. Daniel Bard's been outstanding. Uh, I said last week that uh, I predicted he'll be an all-star, and wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Now now he'd be an all-star at Coors Field. Long way to go before that. I understand that. Um, But um, Daniel Bard's been really good. The other guys that get the baseball in protecting leads, I know you're not going to be perfect. Nobody is in that position. But they have to be better. Had they been better, you're talking about a team that very easily could be 3-2 and instead of uh, one and four. So those are some uh, early observations on the first few days of the Rockies season. Time for our Boyers What's Hot. Let me tell you who's hot, and that is Ryan McMahon. How about three home runs? How do you like that? Three for three, three bombs. Ryan McMahon, Rockies within a run. I want to flash back to spring training of 2020 prior to when the pandemic hit and shut everything down. I said on this podcast, and and I wasn't alone, when you watch Ryan McMahon and take batting practice in March of last year and, and we're watching him in games, he had really shortened his path to getting the barrel to the baseball. He's always had prodigious power. 
but any sort of plus fastball would give him fits. He was tardy, and he worked diligently on being shorter to the baseball. Now, ultimately, in the 60-game truncated season of last year, it never was borne out. He hit just 215. He did hit nine home runs, so the power was there. And you could look at it and say it's kind of disappointing because I, I had predicted he'd have a breakout season in 2020, and that was coming on the heels of 2019, where even though he struggled with the strikeout and the plus fastball, he still hit 24 home runs and drove in uh, 83. I think you're starting to see all of that hard work he's put in over the last 12, 15 months pay off. In the early days of the season, he has four home runs on the night uh, that he hit three. He also had an RBI double uh, later in the ball game. Uh, he is a guy that really, truly could reach star level. So our Boyer's Coffee, who's hot, tip of the cap, early going to Ryan McMahon. All right, it's time for our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week, and I always enjoy conversing with Brad Hopp. I hadn't talked to Brad in, oh, a year and a half or so. Uh, spent a lot of time talking to him in preparation for the book uh, a couple of years ago that I did with Ben Hockman, and um, he's very insightful. Uh, he has great stories and uh, just an all-around really high-quality person. So I always enjoy my time with Brad Hopp. He is our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. Well, it's always good to catch up with, uh, with a guy I always admired when he played in one of the all-time good guys of the Colorado Rockies, Brad Hopp. I say that not to embarrass you, Brad, but uh, the first question is obvious, man. Obvious, uh, how are you? How are you doing? Good, good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, everything's great. Family's family's doing good. Kids are getting big. Uh, getting through life over here in Texas. Do you identify as ex ball player? Do you identify as you know dad to the kids? And and that that ex player stuff seems like uh, a long, long time ago now. You know, it does seem like a long time ago, Drew. Um, 2013 was my last season. And I watch baseball now, and, um, you know, I, I coach my, my son and, you know, some, some other kids and work with some guys uh, here and there baseball-wise. But, like, whenever I watch baseball, I, I'm, I think to myself, like, how did I do that? I can't believe that I was that I got to do that. And how did I how, – how was I on that TV? I can't believe it. It, still, it blows me away thinking back on it now. You know, you have. A, I want to take you back because you had a you know great high school career. You're, you're drafted out of high school. More as a more as a pitcher though back then, right? Growing up in the Fort Worth area. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And and then you go to Navarro. Was it in your mind that if you were going to be able to to take it as far as you could, it would be more on the mound than as a position player? You know, I liked pitching a little bit. Um, I really was just more of a thrower. I, I had a, a fairly strong arm, and I was just up there throwing. Uh, out of high school, I think it was 17 Division One offers that I had. Um, I turned them down and went to Navarro Junior College to play for Skip Johnson, who's now the head coach at OU. Um, I turned it down because a lot of it was for pitching. And, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of Skip, Skip Johnson, still am. Um, and I just – I didn't really want to pitch. I wanted. I wanted to be. I wanted to be able to, to play every day. Did you have that big leg lift in high school? I never asked you that back in the day. 
No, not really. Not really. Just more traditional. Um, just changed it all the time until <laughs> I guess I got to the big leagues. Uh, I remember I was in uh, A-ball. I had Billy White was our coach, and the Rockies had me, like, no striding or somebody in the minor league system, you know, say, hey, let's don't stride learn to use your hands, which, you know, trying to do like Jim Edmonds style back in the day, um, which is not me. Uh, Daryl Evans came into uh, Asheville one time and was watching me hit and said, why are you doing that? I said, I was told to. He said, do what you want to do. Here, try this. And so I did it, and from there on, that was kind of uh, – that was kind of my learning moment that this is kind of going to be my career and not somebody else's. I'm going to do whatever I can do to help me succeed. I want to learn from other people. But I'm not going to please somebody else. I want to try to do my thing. Well, I think it worked out because if I remember right, you were the Carolina League MVP that year. So uh, that was that was a smart move, man. Sure. <laughs> hey, you get drafted in the 11th round. By the way, did you ever throw – did you ever get on the mound in Baton Rouge when you were at LSU? Yes, I did. Um and uh, so my sophomore year, my first year at LSU, I was supposed to be the closer, and I was going to be the right playing playing a little bit of right field, playing first base, and closing. Um, and I broke my wrist like the third game of the season or fourth game of the season, my throwing wrist, and I didn't pitch again. Well, that summer, I went to Cape Cod and I pitched there, and I, I did really well. Came back at LSU, and uh, in the fall, I pitched and. I remember during the uh, – we had scout day where scouts show up or whatever. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but it was scout day and all the scouts show up. And they asked if I'd pitch, and so I ended up pitching that day. And uh, that was the last game I ever pitched. And I remember that I asked them afterwards, said, what was I throwing? I felt like I'm throwing harder than I've ever thrown. They said I was 95, 96 on the mound, and I was like, oh, no, gosh, I hope I don't get back to <laughs> So that was the last time I fished. So you you guys win the national championship. 2011, um, I, I imagine everybody on that team that was draft eligible probably got drafted or a whole slew of them. Um, you go in the 11th round. Was that disappointing or was that about where you thought you would fall? I was disappointed in it. I had talked to a lot of teams that were saying I was going to be in the third to fifth round, but uh, – you know, I, I, it was it was great for me because it was a chip on my shoulder that I carried with me forever um, coming through the minor leagues, facing all these first-rounders. I'm like, yeah, you're a first-rounder, my 11th-rounder. You don't want me in the batter's box right now type of attitude. Um, you know, college baseball is kind of a funny way in getting drafted. I started off really slow, and uh, I was the four-hole hitter, and Skip Bertman was our coach, and he um, he hit me fourth the entire time. It didn't matter if I was hitting 210 or if I was going to hit 500. That was my spot, and he was riding his guys, and I was one of his guys. Well, the scouts, you know, they show up early on in the year, and they catch a lot of baseball, and I was, I was, I was, like I said, I started off slow and um, missed hitting a lot of balls that, you know, weren't homers that I thought I was going to hit 30 homers that year, and um, I think I ended up setting a college baseball record for most doubles in a season. I think it was like 36 or 38. Um, doubles, but most of those were just line drives that I wasn't learning to backspin the ball yet. Um, but a lot of that was late, and it was after scouts had already come in and written reports on me and were gone. Um, I know I had a dozen homers, and I don't remember how many RBIs, 80 maybe. Um, but a lot of it, again, was even also after the draft. Um, you know, the draft now coming up into this year is going to be in July. Well, 
that draft back then was, you know, before our regionals and stuff. And, you know, I hit another seven or eight homers and ten doubles. And, you know, I got hot um, and ended up hitting 370 maybe. I don't know, 380. But I wasn't doing that whenever all the reports were written. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. And, yeah, I know, you know, for, for the great college baseball teams, we always talk about it when Omaha – Arise, you know, this guy was taken in the third round by the Orioles. That guy went in the second round to the, you know, Angels, that sort of thing. And um, it, it's always it always took place way before, quote unquote, the end of the college season. And when you're evaluating guys, you know, in really high pressure moments as well. So, yeah, that's a great time to evaluate them. I mean, you know, if the draft would have been after that, I mean, I, I can't remember how many homers I hit in the College World Series, three or four. I mean, Mark Pryor had a no hitter against us through seven innings and I hit a three run homer and we end up beating USC and you know, all this stuff that, you know, I, I, but like I said, the best thing that ever happened to me was that I did go in the 11th round. I mean, I used it. I used that as energy all the time. I mean, that was in the back of my mind. Like, Hey, I'm out. I got to prove every day. And it was a good lesson for me, but I got to continue to prove myself until I'm not on the field anymore. Brad, I, I love that. And people who know me well and the kids I coach and my, and my three boys, they've heard that ad nauseum. Take any perceived slight, or even if you have to concoct a slight, use it as fuel because I, I, I will always take, you know, 25 chip on the shoulder guys over 25 pretty guys every day of the week. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's what I tell kids all the time. Like, I don't care if you have the best swing or the worst swing. If you get in the box and you think you're the man or you think you're the dude, you're the, you're the right guy in the batter's box right now. Yeah. That's a, that's such a, that's such a great point, especially this game. Uh, that tears away at your confidence at every turn. Um, and I'm sure I, 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 you could point to your own career. I'm sure there were days. I, you know what? You took me to something I've always said about you. And I know, I know I've mentioned this to you a couple years ago when we were talking when I was, when I was doing the book. And, and I've always felt this way about you. And I still, to this day, use you as an example. Honestly, you could go in the clubhouse after the game and you wouldn't know whether Brad Hopp was four for four with two bombs or zero for four with three punch outs. You were really even keel. Were you always that way? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel it as much whenever I'm coaching youth baseball. I can tell you. That. <laughs> um, you know, I just I, I tried to learn the importance of being a teammate um, because I just felt like that was the whole recipe and every team that I was a part of that was winning, um, LSU, high school, um, all the championships that, that I was a part of were winning, um, that was that was just all about teammates. And it's not about one guy, and it's definitely not about me. Um, you know, Skip Bergman, like I said, at LSU, was he was a key person in my life for baseball and still is, um, on, you know, the values that he instilled in um, being a teammate. And I just just didn't ever want to lose sight of that. And then I know if I was four for four um, with a couple of bombs and was walking around bragging or, you know, with my chest puffed out, then that's selfish. And the same thing, if I was 0 for 4 and I'm walking around pouting, uh, that's selfish. And I, I just I didn't, I don't like that in baseball. I don't like that in baseball players. Yeah. Hey, hey, by the way, since you are, you know, coaching kids and, and specifically your own son now, Drake, is that not far more difficult than facing, uh, you know, John Lester in the World Series when you're watching your own kid in the batter's box? 
Yes, or on the pitcher's mound. <laughs> it's hard. It's, I, sometimes you got to feel like you got to turn and look away, like I, I can't watch type of attitude. Right. Um, I'll also tell you this: it's way more exhausting these weekend tournaments. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And but uh, I will tell you, and I know a lot of your friends have told you, is enjoy every moment, man, because it goes fast, dude. It goes fast. Yes, sir. It yes, goes sir. fast. Yeah. Hey, I want I want I want to take you up to. Uh, you know, when, when you arrive in the big leagues with the Rockies and, and how quickly, you know, as you're trying to get your feet, first of all, individually underneath you and establish yourself uh, a, as a big leaguer, um, how quickly or what time did you realize, you know what, we kind of have an abundance of talent that could do something special at this level? You know, I thought we were pretty good in the minor leagues. I mean, I had some really good teammates and I mean, let me put it this way. When we were in double-A, and it was like me and Matt Holliday and Corey Sullivan and Jorge Piedra, we were we were the, we were were four outfielders in double-A. That was the first year that I was starting to try to earn the outfield. And I remember George Piedra went like five for five in the opening game of the season, and he hit for the cycle, and he was five for five, and he didn't crack the lineup the next day. That's how good we were because – I mean, me and Holiday and Sullivan had to play. I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm like, man, we're pretty good. And, uh, you know, so going into the big leagues, I thought there were some good young players in the Rocky system, um, you know, and players that were just a click behind us, you know, Jeff Francis and players um, like that. I was just I, – I thought we were good, but, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I'm trying to establish in the big leagues, and I'm sitting there with Larry Walker – I'm, I'm sitting there right next to Larry Walker on the bench, and I'm like, man, if I could be like this, I'm not going to be in the big leagues. This guy's unreal. Like, this, so, you know, I, I didn't know what, what the big leagues was like. Um, I just knew that we, we had a bunch of good players. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's an interesting one. You sit next to Larry Walker, and you say, well, if he's average, um, I'm in trouble maybe. But as it turns out, he was he was Hall of Fame good. Yes, it made me feel better. <laughs> Did he help you at all when you transitioned? Because, you know, you, you played a lot of first base. Obviously, we talked about the fact that you were on the mound, you know, initially. But you you were more, correct me if I'm wrong, of a first baseman. And then you, you know, dabbled in the outfield and, and then became a full-time outfielder as a big leaguer. Yes, sir. That's correct. Um, I didn't really start playing the outfield until right before I got to the big leagues. Um I mean, I, they experimented with me a little bit, um, and um, Larry Walker was pretty salty to me. Um, we got along just fine, but uh, he was—he really took—I uh, would say he took Holiday under his wing pretty good. Um, I guess he had good taste. Holiday turned into a pretty big good ball player. If you're asking me, uh, right. but, you know, with me being in right field, he did help me, but it was. It wasn't in the ways that I would always expect it. Um, I remember one time, my very first day in the big leagues, and I'm in right field, and I think it's Marcus Giles comes coming up to hit, um, and he's going to hit the ball to right field, right? I mean, we already know that. We we know the, the scenario, and I'm sitting there in right field, and I'm like, you know, I really just like for the first ball not to come to me. And like, <laughs> after that, let's go. Well, of course, he hits the very first ball to me, and it goes up. And that was the first time I'd ever played in a stadium. So, you know, the ball, I'm used to seeing the ball go up and then I, you know, reading the ball in the clouds and all that. Well, the entire time the ball's in the air, there's people on the backside of it. So I didn't read it great and it one hops the wall and I pick it up and throw it in. 
And I was just, because that day we didn't have BP. It was a double header. And mm-hmm. so I hadn't been on the field yet and caught a fly ball in a big league field. That was my first big league fly ball. Um, I went back and I sit down and Larry walks over to me and he's chewing seeds and spitting them out. And he's just kind of sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he going to say to me? He said, should have cut that ball. I was like, I know. I said, this first, first ball I've ever seen in the stadium. It was weird. Yeah. He spits first seed down. He looks at me and goes, well, don't use that as an excuse. There's going to be a lot of firsts. You had figured out. And then he got up and walked off. And I mean, it was little things like that. And I'm like, oh, what's he going to say? You know, is he going to tear me to pieces? Um, but they were always short and to the point and were spot on every time. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think people realize. Well, how could people realize unless you're one of the needles in the haystack like like you were that that play at the big league level? But the ball is going to find white shirts in the background, and that can be very disconcerting. Am I right? Yes. I mean, I it never it never crossed my mind that that was going to happen until I got my first fly ball. I just. Never, I never thought that was a possibility. I don't know why, but it never even crossed my mind. Hey, we'll have more with Brad Hop in a moment, but first, this from our first sponsor, my friends at Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's team, they've been around for 20 years. They've been saving you money, they've saved me money. Give them a call at 303-867-7000 if you're purchasing a new home, if you're looking to consolidate debt, or if you're refinancing. Now is a wonderful time. It's been a wonderful time to do that. Uh, They will help you immensely. They'll make it very easy for you. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They've been a wonderful uh, partner in this community to so many. So give them a shout and see what uh, many others have done and happily done at that. 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. Now more with the former Rocky right fielder, Brad Hopp. One of the fun things for you, though, in making that transition to the outfield, I think, uh, if memory serves me right, you led the league in, in assists one year, is that you got to use that right field arm that you had. Yes, sir. I enjoyed throwing. Yeah, that had to be fun. I, I just wasn't blessed with speed, and I tried to do everything I could to to try to get faster. Um, I used to train during the winter with a TCU track team and uh, different, different things. I'd come into spring training, and I'd – I'd be faster, and then about four days into spring training, I'm right back to my bad habits, you know, body soreness, and here we go. Um, but I did enjoy throwing from the outfield, and uh, I was willing to risk it a little bit more. I had some years where I made some uh, some more errors than I probably should have, but it was because I was taking a chance, you know, trying to throw somebody out, trying to air it out. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of baseball players – Taking risks and not, not being afraid of uh, of a failure. Don't be afraid to throw the ball away. I mean, you know, like what is the basketball saying? You know, you don't make any shots you don't take or whatever. I mean, I, I think the same way in baseball. So I, I like to get out there and, and and air it out. Well, actually, you know, come to think of it, if that jackass Helton wasn't there, who becomes a, a really close friend of yours in life, um, you know, you, you may have been a big league first baseman all those years. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I came up with that on the roach, and we were always trying to figure out who was going to play first base where. And before you know it, I've really never played any first base. So <laughs> I, I, I bet I didn't play 75 
games in the big leagues at first base. Yeah, and it was kind of, it was kind of late, if I remember right. When uh, was it? San Diego played you at first base, didn't they? Yes, I played I played at first base in San Diego until Anthony Rizzo came up, and then he came to first base, and I went back to right field, and that's whenever I threw my arm out and had Tommy John surgery. Hey, all right, I want to talk about 07. Um, again, how early on in that run did, did you ever see, because I, I never get tired of talking about the 21 out of 22, and I know you and I have visited about it um, before. Um, was there a point in time where you felt like we're going to do something special or is just like, hey, we're playing good baseball, all right, we won last night, we won the night before, let's go win a ball game tonight? Um, take us through the mindset as it was evolving. I think the mindset for me was your your second scenario right there. It's like, hey, we're playing good baseball. That was fun. Let's do it again. Uh, and afterwards, we're, we're going to fly into uh, whatever city. We're going to go have a good dinner as a group, and we're going to go do the same thing again tomorrow. Um, that's the way I took it because I'd never been in the playoffs, and pretty much everybody hadn't been in the playoffs. I think it was like LaTroy Hawkins and – Maybe somebody else had been in the playoffs. I mean, it was so awkward for us that we didn't even know how to do, like, playoff share meetings and stuff whenever it got close. We didn't have a playoff share meeting until we, like, forced it in because we weren't planning on being in the playoffs. They're just, hey, we're on a roll, and this is fun, and that was fun yesterday. Let's do it again today type of attitude. Um, and I also remember there were there were probably plenty of games where we were down um, but it never felt like we were going to lose. It was like, well, we're down. Whose turn is it today type of uh, feeling? Um, and, and that's really kind of how it played out. You know, I, again, I've, I've told you this before, and I'm not saying this because you and I are visiting right now and it's being recorded. I have a, I have a, a great short-term memory. So when I like tonight, the Rockies are playing the Diamondbacks, and I'll remember all sorts of insignificant in, uh data on individual players and, and, and the, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies preparing for tonight. Tomorrow, if you ask me, hey, what was the final score? I may not remember. Um, but I do remember this. When people ask me about the 21 out of 22, we all recall, you know, the home run against Saito for Todd. Yeah. And, and it kind of got got things rolling, if you will, right? Well, the 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 one I remember more than any other moment was it's late at night. You know where I'm going with this, Brad. It was late at night in San Diego. It's extra innings. The Marine layer has has pulled in. I, you could stand. You could put you know Mark McGuire at second base in his prime. Barry Bonds and they couldn't have hit it out. It was just impossible. You're left on left against Joe Thatcher, who I have to believe was really nasty for a lefty, and and you hit a ball just to the left of center field. And it, it it was like came out of a cannon. I'm like, wow, how did that happen? And that obviously the Rockies roll on. We win the game. I have that to me was was one of the moments that I've never forgotten during that streak. Well, you know, you're right. That place. Side note to that place is I don't know how Adrian Gonzalez lived there and hit 30 plus homers back whenever that stadium was the way it was. That's one of the most amazing feats that nobody talks about um, because it was incredibly tough to go hit homers on back when the field was bigger and the buildings weren't there. Um, but I do remember hitting that ball in the minute and in, in the, the, the split second I hit it thinking, yep, that's a homer. And just like, like I just was supposed to do it. And it was a piece of cake. Like that's just 
what I had in me. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know better. Like I said, now when I watch games and stuff, or you know, if I see that highlight, I'm like, yeah, how did I do that? I mean, that was that was not an at bat that I was supposed to win. But you know, like we talked about before, um, if you go up to the plate with the right mindset, you think you're the baddest dude in the planet, and you're the right person, the the only person on earth that needs to be in that spot right then, it doesn't matter if your mechanics are right. It doesn't matter if they're wrong. Um, you can pull off some stunts like that 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 can shock everybody else, and they don't shock you because you believe you can do it, and that's the only way that happens. Um, but when I hit it, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. I was like, yeah, that's a homer. That's what I, that's what I was up here to do. Um, and I think that's kind of the mentality, not just the mentality of a big leaguer, but that, that that's the mindset that we were riding during that streak. Um, that it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the right guy, and I'm going to win this game. And I think that when 25 guys were thinking like that, that's how we were rolling yeah, and Brad, you had a, obviously you had a, a, a terrific career, well over a hundred homers in in your career, and you know to to play the length of time you did. I, I think now you can reflect back and say that's un, unusual. You were an all star on a couple of different occasions. You accumulated uh, MVP votes. Um, if if there was one moment that stood out about uh, above all others individually, because I know what kind of team guy you are, w- was that it individually? You know, looking back, it was. Um, I mean, it, it probably was the moment. I mean, at the time, it's just like, well, it's my turn. I mean, uh, you know, what's next type of mentality. Um, whenever I watch a lot of the highlights, or I shouldn't say when I watch a lot of highlights, I don't watch, I don't watch any highlights. But whenever something has come up, uh, upon me, you know, whenever, whenever I was in Denver with you a couple of years ago or whatever the case may be, and then I see something, uh, I'm like, Wow, that's, I don't remember that. That's awesome. Um, that that it, it surprises me a lot of the things that we did because I didn't didn't reflect back on it. It was just almost kind of like, uh, well, that was great. What's what's next type of deal? Just kind of snowplowing through uh, through the seasons. Um, you know, not like like we talked about. It just it's not a selfish deal. It's like the other way around. It's like, well, I got to do more, and I got to get better, and I got to help out this, and I got to do this, and it just it just keeps going until it's over. Yeah, we're we're all outsiders. We all have our our memories, whether it's a fan or, or you know a, a broadcaster. But as a player, what what memories do you have that stand out above all others in that run up to the postseason of '07? I think my favorite parts were whenever we had everybody up in September and there was like 35 of us going out to dinner. I mean, one of the things that sticks out to me the most, I remember we went, we were in San Diego and there was like 33 of us. That It's not like anybody was forced to. It's like, hey, I'm going to dinner. You want to go? Yeah. You want to go? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Holiday, grab your group. You know, so-and-so, grab your group. I felt Tito, you get the pictures? Yeah, Fog, you got those guys? Yeah. All right, we'll see you at dinner. And, I mean, I remember us getting into San Diego early and going to Raw Sushi Bar in San Diego and just we're the entire restaurant. I mean, I talk to a lot of guys now, and stuff like that seems like it's missing. And I'm I'm not pointing fingers at anything, but that's one of my favorite memories is my guys and being there with my guys. And it's like, okay, not just on the field, but off the field. Uh, we're a family. Um, I remember last spring training, the Rockies had me in 
Dick and Jeff asked me to come out and be a guest instructor last spring training for the Rockies. And so I went out there for two weeks and spent some time with the Rockies. And uh, uh, Sam Hilliard is a friend of mine, and, and I work, spend time with him during the winter and do a lot of hitting stuff together. And, you know, I asked him, say, hey, have you been on a big league dinner yet? He's like, no. And, you know, like, granted, there's last year's COVID and all that, but it, this was right before coronavirus. I'm like, all right, let's go. And I said, you're in big leagues now. You're going on a big league dinner, and I'm taking that. And we went to a nice restaurant over there in Scottsdale, and right about, and we're talking about, I'm like, man, you got to bring this back. Whenever you're a full-time bigger, you have to bring this back. If you want to win, this is part of it. And guess who shows up? The Milwaukee Brewers, and there was like 30 of them. Is that right? Yep. And he said, what, like that? And I said, yes. Well, they're a pretty good team. And they play in the playoffs. They're, they got it figured out. But that is one that's it's insignificant. But that's one of my best memories and the most important things that we did was that we were all together and we were all one. And that's just what we did. We're going to have more next week with Brad Hopp as we cover uh, several other topics. This one got me thinking because Brad, you know, he's talking about his pitching days uh, in high school and, and then at LSU and he threw in the, the mid to upper 90s. And uh, it got me thinking about a couple of things. First of all, if I asked you six, seven years ago, 100 mile an hour fastball, who do you have? Well, there was really basically only one guy that you thought of, or Aldis Chapman, who sat on, you know, 102, right? Now, there are so many guys throwing 100 miles an hour. It's so commonplace, you can't even begin to name them. It seems like most clubs have three or four of those guys. Heck, there's some starters that work at 100 miles an hour. See Jacob deGrom. It's become ridiculous. Well, the reason I bring this up now is Shohei Otani... A few days ago, this was awesome. It, it was a flashback to Little League. I love what Joe Madden and the Angels are doing. The heck with, okay, if Otani pitches, he can't hit. And then the day after he pitches, he has to get a full day off. He's not going to participate. And then he'll DH for a couple of days. And then he'll pitch again. They're like, no, he's going to be a two-way guy. And he was hitting second in the lineup the other day throw 100-mile-an-hour darts, and in his first time up, he hit a ball out of the ballpark at 115 miles an hour. You want excitement? You want to get uh, the next generation involved? Have more of these guys because, folks, there's plenty of those guys out there. Brad Hopp was one of those guys. Bryce Harper was one of those guys. Oftentimes, the guy who's great offensively and we say, oh, man, he's got a you know a big arm in right field or he's got a big arm at shortstop – Guess what? They were really good on the mound, too. Carlos Gonzalez, he had to make a choice when he was drafted. There were a lot of folks who wanted him as a pitcher. This is not unusual. Gerardo Parra, same thing. I think going forward, if baseball, if there can be an organization that says, you know what, we're going to be innovative. We're going As hard as it is to play at the major league level and hit now at the major league level, and we know pitch at the major league level, there are guys out there that can be utilized, I think, in both capacities. And Otani's the only one right now, but I'm going to predict going forward two, three, four years, there's going to be a few more. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And, and again, in talking to Brad Hopp, who had that huge arm and, and 
was, was the terrific power hitter. You know, he was one of those guys at one point in time. Hey, before we get on out of here, I want to tell you again what great joy I have uh, felt in watching the Avalanche and the Nuggets. Avalanche all year. They've been a blast. And, and the Nuggets, you know, kind of up and down early. But uh, they went out and made a move at the trade deadline. A couple of them, in fact. They pick up Aaron Gordon. And uh, as we tape here, they're 6 no since they picked up Aaron Gordon. They played much better defense. Gordon has fit right in. Jokic... What a thrill to watch this guy play every night. And uh, as, as I told you before, I never miss an avalanche game as long as it doesn't conflict with uh, with work. And, uh, you know, McKinnon and Ranton and, and McCarr it, it's, and the year Grubauer's having. What a blast, man. And uh, to think that there are two MVP candidates in our town that could be perennial MVP candidates when you talk about the Joker with the Nuggets and you talk about McKinnon with the Avalanche. It's a really cool time to be a sports fan uh, in Colorado. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. As always, check out the DNVR boys. That's uh, Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons. They do it on a day-to-day basis uh, over on DNVR. I join them uh, once a week. They have great insight. Uh, they have uh, fun with their podcast, and, and I enjoy visiting with them uh, each and every week. So check them out. Give them a listen as well. We'll do it again next week. Brad Hopp will be part two. Uh, stay safe. Stay well out there. And uh, enjoy the week, everyone. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Next week, it's part two of Drew's conversation with Brad Hopp. Brad shares his thoughts on what may have caused the Rockies to stall out in the 2007 World Series. You'll hear that next week on the Drew Goodman Podcast.